0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. So great to be with you here this morning. It's such a privilege uh, to have this opportunity to speak with you this morning on the topic Bend, Don't Break. You know, before I go any further, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the life of a Really honourable and significant um, person in the Sun, in Suncoast history, Pastor Ivan Nosworthy, who is the senior pastor here in the early and mid-1990s, passed away this week, went to be with Jesus. And many of you will know him if you've been around as long or longer than I have, and you know that... Um, like, you know, If you knew him, you knew what it was to be greatly loved and, and greatly encouraged. He was a very, very generous man. And, you know, people like Ivan Nosworthy, uh, you can never fully or finally measure the impact that they've had on people's lives. So we uh, we do we want to extend our sincere condolences to his wife, Lorraine, and their family this morning. So... Bend, don't break. Hey, thanks so much, Lauren and Austin, for having the, the the courage to to tell your story, you know. There's so many things we could have called this series, don't you think? You know, like bend, don't break, you know, how to keep going when you don't want to go anymore, you know, <laughs> how to get up in the morning when it's hard, you know, how, what, what to do when the hits just keep on coming, you know, when loss is not just one isolated incident, but it's an ongoing it's an ongoing experience. You know, what have we, even as a community, what have we endured in the last 20 months? What have we gone through? What, what are the things that have become, well, we've endured this, that's for sure. And you're all enduring it this morning. We've endured the mask wearing. We've all learned to endure this. I think, though, that we have a new respect for medical professionals. Next time you go to the dentist, you're going to be like, I got you, man. I get this. Thank you. You know, like we've also learned to endure respecting other people's personal space and giving them, you know, a bit of, you know, uh, you know. Now you go down the the aisle of the supermarket and you're like, I'm sorry, I didn't need to bother you, you know. <laughs> and we sort we have this new endurance, I suppose. We've also come to a, have quarantine as a common experience. I remember in 2014, Ebola broke out in Africa, and a friend of ours went to Sierra Leone. He's a he's a surgeon went to Sierra Leone to practice to help intervene with with Ebola patients you know risked his life um, to work in and when he came back to Australia had to quarantine in his house for two weeks it was like an isolated experience now quarantine is a common experience and maybe you are you know tuning in online today because you're in quarantine and if you are tuning in online from New South Wales and Victoria we want to give you a shout out this morning and say hey our hearts are with you you know media pictures stay State against state, but we're really not that shallow. You know, we love you. We've got friends and family in New South Wales and Victoria, and our hearts are absolutely with you. So, you know, we have endured this and continue to endure this, don't we? Um, and the other thing that we have learned in the last 20 months is um, to endure a lack of or a fear of a lack of this. Like, I don't know. We didn't realize this was such a precious commodity. But, you know, one thing we have come to know in the last 20 or so months is that endurance is personal, isn't it? Like endurance is personal. Endurance isn't just, you know, for for the amazing athletes that, you know, and I applaud our Olympic team, you know, about to go to Tokyo and people all around the world about to try and keep some kind of normalcy you know in in what has been traditionally you know world events you know but that's not just endurance it's not just for the elite and it's not just for the athletic endurance is personal it can be like you know taking a nap in the afternoon so that you can get up that evening to make dinner for your family that that could be endurance right endurance is just choosing to you know continue with your routine even on a day when you don't feel like it and isn't it funny that the people that we admire the most in our lives are those who have endured to the end. You know, the amazing story of of Lauren and and Austin this morning because of their endurance, because they made a decision, God, if this is what our life is going to look like, then we need to be okay with you with that you know and that's a that's like a massive idea to unpack this morning the whole idea of you know a respected figure in our community pastor ivan nosworthy getting to the end of his days having endured so much and run a life you know run a race that was living a life that was well lived that whole, like, we respect people that have endurance. Maybe you have a child who has a disability and you respect their endurance, don't you? You know, you, it's amazing when you live with somebody who has a disability, how they continue to persist, you know, their tenacity and their diligence and their, their, just, their decision every day to, to move, you know, to put a smile on their face. You know, it, you, we don't have to be elite to have endurance. Endurance is incredibly personal. Where it becomes impersonal is when we quit, isn't it? Because then we can sit away, sit at a distance and sort of make, you know, judgments about everybody else. But if you are one who endures, then you've got skin in the game. You've got skin in the game. You're invested. You, you know what it is to continue to, you know, to, to keep going when other people, that's why you don't change your football team, even if they're not at the top of the league table anymore, right? Oh, that was a bit, you know, whatever code I was talking about, you know, referring to, you know, we don't just change people. That's, you know, there's a level of faithfulness in endurance, faithfulness to the community, faithfulness to the people around you, faithfulness to yourself. Growing up in North Queensland, um, I lived through two cyclones, 1988 I went through Cyclone Charlie um, which was a category one cyclone that crossed the coast um, and and came across our town. It was only category one um, which is like a really bad storm in southeast Queensland but it went on for hours and hours like all day and into the night and so you know it was it was pretty significant and then in 1989 when I was the year that I turned 13, uh, you can do your math now, um, where the, you know, we had Cyclone Avu. And Cyclone Avu crossed the coast um, and the eye of the cyclone came right across our town. And so, you know, you're being battered on one side and, and a cyclone is pretty hectic to live through. You know, you tape up your, your windows with, with masking tape. We had mattresses up against the windows and the, and the glass is bowing in with the wind. You know, like it's really significant. It's category 4 is not, nice, not a nice level of cyclone to live through. Cyclone AVU crossed right across and then in the middle of it the sun came out and the sky was blue. And we went outside in the middle of the cyclone. So you can see there, there's that little eye. It came right across our town. And you can see the blue sky, but you don't want to do too much because you know power lines are down everywhere, and you know, it's it's not a safe, it's still it's you know, you're still in the middle of a storm, even though the sky's blue. And then next minute. The wind starts whipping up again, and you race back inside, and then it hits you from the other side, you know, and it just and it's just relentless. And destruction is from a cyclone is is terrible, you know. um, It's the flooding that happens afterwards that's so significant. Here's a couple of um, pictures here from newspapers that were published at the time people lost their houses people lost their lives um you know people people lost their livelihoods it was a sugarcane farming community so the the cane is flattened and if it's flattened too much it's too hard for a harvester to pick up you know it's significant the community bands together you know everyone goes to find out how each other is at you know at the end of um of of when it's all over you've got to be careful there are power lines down we were, our roads were cut you know there were so many um the, the flooding was so bad our roads were cut we were out without power so the army flew in uh you know to help with the 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 cleanup but also to give us ice so that you know we could refrigerate generators going everywhere. So I know what it is. I know what it is. At 13 years of age, I was kind of excited that school was cancelled for a few weeks. That was, you know, woohoo, you know. And you got to ride ride around town and visit all the destruction. But don't go near power lines, you know. Like, it was pretty exciting for a 13-year-old. But... I know what it is to live through that that shared experience of community devastation and you probably do too you know you might have you might belong to a community or have belonged to a community in the past that has shared a common experience of trauma or tragedy and we know what it is to what it feels like when a whole community is affected maybe this is you at the moment it's definitely us at the moment isn't it we're all affected by whatever new regulations or imposed regulations or a little tiny thing a microscopic thing called a virus and we so we have these shared experiences and all the ramifications all the you know the offshoots of that we know what it is to be to when a community is affected when a whole community is affected there are so many examples from the new testament from the early church of when they were communally and collectively affected because they weren't popular. You know, the New Testament church, they, they lived under duress. Following Jesus was not a popular thing to do. But today, I'm going to focus on an example of when a whole community was affected from the Old Testament, from ancient Israel, about two and a half thousand years ago, where Israel fell to Babylon and there's a book in, the, in our Old Testament called Lamentations. It's a book of lament. It's a book of sorrow. It's a book of heart outpouring where this prophet called Jeremiah, we think that Jeremiah wrote this, this book of lament. It's only five chapters uh, because it sounds a lot, sim- it has very sim- similar literary features to the book that he wrote when he said, "I Jeremiah am writing this." You know, he didn't actually. Nobody actually says that in Lamentations, but we are pretty sure that Jeremiah wrote the book, and he writes it as as um, a person who has been. Israel has fallen. Jerusalem has fallen to to Babylon, and they're now carried into captivity. And he writes it as a heart pouring, as an outpouring of his of his soul. And it starts in chapter one, it starts with the, with the word how. And so even though we call it in the English Bible, we call it the book of Lamentations or the book of Lament. In the Hebrew Bible, it's called the book of Eka or the book of how. And it's because it's poetry. The whole five chapters are like a poetic outpouring. How deserted lies the city once so full of people. Is Jerusalem's lying in ruins he's referring to? How like a widow is she who once was great amongst the nations? She was the queen amongst the provinces and now we have become slaves. You know that song by the rivers of Babylon, you know, taken from this kind of inspiration, you know, where, where, the, where Israel, who they thought they were the chosen people of God, that they were the, you know, God's chosen nation fell into captivity at the hand of Babylon, And so here they are living as slaves. And I just want to pick up around about 587 years before Christ. I want to just pick up here in chapter 3, the middle chapter of Lamentations. There's this amazing wisdom um, that Jeremiah articulates in the middle of everything. But let's get the scene right first. This is not like, oh, you know, I'm going to be really strong and we're going to get through this and, you know, we're going to pivot We're going to come up with a new plan. What's our new normal? How are we going to adapt? There wasn't that. This was the book of, (laughs) you know, this was the outpouring. This was the very real, very human part of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, who was a prophet, um, a loved and, you know, they loved Jeremiah because he was accurate in his predictions. And so they you know, respected him. But he didn't predict nice things. He predicted the fall of Jerusalem. You know, so he, I don't know, what you would have thought about Jeremiah if you, he was your neighbor, to be honest. Um, but here's what he says. He goes, my soul is bereft of peace. Gone. It's gone. I don't have a feeling of peace in my heart. And I've forgotten what happiness is. Now, he's not living in a pleasure-based society like we are, you know, where if we're having a bad day, we can flick on, you know, whatever to try and distract ourselves and binge watch for however many obscene amount of hours. You know, he wasn't living in a pleasure-based society where he could just, at very low cost, you know, go for a walk on the beach or, you know, go grab a coffee or Go buy chocolate. Chocolate hadn't been invented then. That's just not fair, right? This is an ancient man living in an ancient, you know, situation. The whole nation had been captured by Babylon and they were living as slaves. And all his life he had been told, you're part of the chosen generation. You're part of a chosen nation. You're people that belong to God. And now here they are living as slaves, living as... like bereft of peace, and I have forgotten what happiness is. And then he says, so what I say is my endurance has perished. I can no longer put one foot in front of the other. I'm so tired and so worn down. We as a collective people are so tired and so worn down that my endurance has perished. And then he says this, And so has my hope from the Lord, because for me now, this isn't just a physical thing. We just haven't been physically displaced. This isn't just an emotional thing. I'm not just sad. This is a spiritual condition. Because I thought that God was going to be good. I thought God was good. But look where I am living. And he, he, he presses in and he says, he says this, My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished and so is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings. The wormwood, which is a metaphor there for bitterness and gall. My soul continually remembers it within me and is bowed down within me. But this... I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. And we're gonna have a look just in a moment, what Jeremiah called to mind and why he had hope. But these two lines here give us really strong clues, really strong keys of what we should do when we are in a desperate situation of disappointment. But we had an appointment, but we've been dissed from it. We're in a desperate situation. What, he, what, is, what are the questions that we can ask from this? What am I calling to mind? And where is my hope? What am I calling to mind? What am I ruminating on? What am I obsessing over? What am I rehearsing? What am I having an imaginary argument in my head with? Do you do that? Do you ever have an, an argument in the car, a fictitious argument with somebody? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been like, oh, well, da 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 and you always win it when it's one-sided, don't you? Like when it's, when it's just you, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but there's a bit of laughter in the room, so I feel like I'm pushing in. Have you ever tried to take that argument home and try it out on your most loved people? yeah, it didn't go so well, didn't it? You know, I feel like the only places where arguments really work, um, and, and is in the movies. So don't copy the movies, you know, nobody ever goes blah and goes, oh yeah, you're right. Anyway, but you know, what are, what are we ruminating over? What are we obsessing on? What are we thinking about? What are we constantly calling up into mind? Is it like, oh yeah, but I can't because I'm not, you know, I can't because I'm not. Is it everything that we're not? Is it everything that is, you know, oh, well, I, it's so hard because it's okay for them because, you know, what are we calling to mind? What are we obsessing over? And I think a really great, and I say this with all, you know, all the compassion, I think a really great indicator here is if we can't interrupt our own thoughts, that's when we need to go talk about it with somebody. You know, if we can't interrupt our own thoughts and take our own thoughts captive, that's when we need to go talk to a really trusted friend, you know, that you know is going to give you good advice. Seek out counsel from a counsellor, you know, go get some kind of intervention to help you with your thoughts. And the other question we can ask here when, you know, when Jeremiah is talking about, you know, but I called this to mind and therefore I have hope is where have I put my hope? Is my hope on a particular outcome? Because we all know what it feels like, don't we, when we don't get the outcome that we were hoping for. You know, when the plan doesn't come to pass, when the holiday that you've been hoping for, that, you know, the borders are shut and you can't move out of the state or, you know, whatever it might be, when you hoped to go and see family and you still haven't been able to see them. The grandbaby that you've never met yet. You know, when, what, where is your hope? Is your hope on an outcome? And so let's see what Jeremiah writes here. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And then he switches and he lifts his eyes. And he goes, the steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. We've sung about that so much already this morning. In, in the songs that we were singing today, in in, austin and lauren's story today but the steadfast love of the lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end and jeremiah almost turns in his writing here and there's a lot of this there's a pattern of this in the scripture if you study the scripture particularly in the psalms and in lamentations in the books of poetry in the bible you find that there's a very raw and real outpouring of the soul you know woe is me my life is a mess, this isn't fair, and it's pretty true. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, but then they don't, they don't always, the writers don't stay there forever. They flip and they go, but I will remember. But I will remember. And in this instance, Jeremiah is saying, I'm remembering that the love of God is steadfast. It's immovable. It's unshakable. It never ceases. It's greater, for, it's, it's, it's greater than, than my lived experience. It's greater than what I know. It goes beyond my comprehension. His mercies never come to an end. And we get a really, you know, important insight here into what God is like and who God is. And it goes on, but they are new. Talking about the mercies of God, they are new every morning. Therefore, I have hope. And Jeremiah writes here about how the earth turns on its axis every day and the sun goes down and comes up again every morning and you're healed just a little bit more than you were the day before. That the mercy of God is new every morning. Have you ever experienced that? You know, when you've been through a major trauma, been through a major disappointment, a major tragedy, and with every passing day, with every rotation of the earth, with every new sunrise it's like you've healed just a fraction just a little bit more it's an amazing how God has set up the world and he, and so Jeremiah is bringing this to mind in Babylon in his captivity and he says therefore the Lord is my portion I might not have anything else in my hand I might now be a slave to the Babylonians my Jerusalem lies in ruins what I hope for hasn't come to pass. I'm covered with dust and they haven't invented chocolate yet there is no Netflix to binge on and I don't have a beach to walk on you know like all those things he goes I've got nothing I have got nothing I'm bowed down he said in the scripture but my portion is the Lord the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases and his mercies that never come to To an end. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Which leads us to the next question that we need to ask when we're in a situation where our souls are bereft of peace is who is God and what is He like? What is God like? And I would propose to you this morning. That this is the biggest question of all time. This is a bigger question than what's the meaning of my life, and the reason is is because when we understand who God is, or start to understand who God is and what God is like, we're halfway there to understanding the answer to what is my purpose. Because all of a sudden we've got perspective, you know, in 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 a, in a correct, you know, we've got how do I say that properly? We've got a a a more accurate perspective of life because we're realising who our creator is and what very small part of a massive timeline that we play. So who is God and what is God like? My goodness, we could talk about this for a lifetime. And the reason we could talk about this for a lifetime is because of two facets of God, two parts of his nature that Jeremiah presses into here. He talks about how the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, how his mercies never come to an end, that they are not finite, but they are infinite. And one of the amazing things about the nature of God, the creator of the heaven and earth, the one who hung the planets in the solar system and the stars in the galaxies, the one who makes the earth spin on its axis and gives us a new sunrise every morning. The amazing thing about the creator of heaven and earth about the God that we love and serve is that he is incomprehensible we can never fully or finally understand God and that's not to say that we should you know park our brains and leave our thinking at the door absolutely not but it's a it's an acknowledgement of eve as much as we seek him out as much as we come and go on a journey or a quest to understand who god is and what is he like i as a human in human intelligence and human understanding am never going to be able to fully or, fully or finally understand the amazing incomprehensible nature of god and that's really important because if i could then god would be reduced down to my human understanding and he wouldn't be God anymore. God is incomprehensible. He's bigger than what we can understand or comprehend. Therefore, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, who was, you know, kind of writ, wrote around the same part of the Bible as Jeremiah that we're talking about, he talks about how the ways of God are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And then the New Testament writers, they say things like, we only know in part, we can only see things in part. But there is a much bigger plan. There is a much bigger God. He is incomprehensible. He sees more than we see. He knows more than he knows, than we know. And that's not, that's not because he's trying to withhold from us. That's because he's God and we're not. And that's hard for us to get our heads around because we live in a society that constantly elevates individuals as amazing and we live in a society that is so self-centered and so individualistic that when we pull back and we start to say, well, but God is incomprehensible, he's the creator of the heaven and earth and therefore, and I'm just a part of a really big plan, that's, that's so countercultural, But it takes an incredible amount of pressure off because otherwise your future and your plans and your purpose and your potential would only rely on you and as big as you are. And you and I both know that we're only as strong as our weakest link. And so to worship a God who is incomprehensible is amazing. The other thing about God is that he is faithful. And we've been singing about this this morning. And Jeremiah writes it, you know, great is your faithfulness. There's been hymns written about this, songs written about it. He is faithful. And I would suggest and propose to you that the faithfulness of God towards you is also incomprehensible I think that God is more faithful to us than we are to ourselves I think that you I mean you know how faithful you are to yourself that chocolate cake that you said you wouldn't eat you know like let's be honest right like that plan that new year's resolution that you know how faithful you are to and I'm not trying to guilt you out here I'm just trying to be honest you know we we are, we're fallible, aren't we But we serve an infallible God whose faithfulness toward us is is greater than our our faithfulness to ourselves. So if I was to summarise Lamentations, it would look like this. My endurance has perished. This is what I, I think Jeremiah is saying here in Lamentations 3. My endurance has perished. I'm done. But this I call to mind. Great is your faithfulness. Therefore, I have hope. And now my hope is not placed in an outcome, now my hope is placed in a God who is bigger than I am, whose ways are greater than my ways, whose thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And as much as I have made it my life quest to know him and be known by him and to get to know who God is and what God is like, as much as that is a lifelong journey for me, there is a security and assurance in knowing that I will never get to the end because he is great and great is his faithfulness, so therefore I can securely place my trust in him. And so here's the, the endurance hacks from Jeremiah, or the keys to endurance that we find in Lamentations. What am I calling to mind? Where am I putting my hope? Am I putting my hope in a plan or in the purpose? Am I putting my hope in, a, in an outcome or in the Creator? Where am I putting my hope? And who is God? And what is God like? You know, I said earlier that there are so many other examples in the scripture of where people, a whole community has been affected. And if we were to fast forward 600 years to Jerusalem, Jerusalem has been reinstated. The temple has been rebuilt. Um, Israel is living back in Israel. Uh, Babylon is now ancient history. The Babylonians have. The empire rose and fell, and now Israel is living under Roman occupation and the Roman Empire, it's the time of the Roman Empire, around the time of Jesus and the first century church. And there's a writer in the New Testament who writes a letter to the church living in Jerusalem. It's called called the book of Hebrews because he's writing to Hebrews. And he says in Hebrews chapter 10, 600 years later, same, same nation, you know, same, same people. You know, my heart goes out to Israel because they've kind of lived under occupation for longer than they haven't, you know. He goes, but you have need of endurance in verse 36 of chapter 10 and then we skip down to ch- verse 39 and it says, but we are not of those who shrink back but, and, and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. And the writer of Hebrews here makes a really strong link between having faith in God and, your, and the well-being of your soul, having faith and preserving your soul. And so the endurance hack that we have from Hebrews here this morning is don't shrink back. You might be like, oh my gosh, Allison, I've just, I need to say no more. No, 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 that's not the same thing. You can say no to something because you're saying yes to something else, right? That's, that's the key in life. You don't have to like say yes to everything and, and overschedule your life um, to, to live a full and, and, and fulfilling life. You can say no to things because you're saying yes to something else. Some of you are in a season at the moment where you're saying yes, I'm committed to my children. I'm raising my children. So you've had to say no to a few things. But the key is this. No for now, but not forever. Don't shrink back. You can say no to something for now, but don't write yourself off and say no forever. Don't shrink back. So what, what are the endurance hacks that we have from the scripture this morning? The keys to endurance, the keys to an enduring faith are these four questions or four statements. What am I calling to mind? Where am I putting my hope? Who is God? And what is God like? Don't shrink back. Don't reduce back to mediocrity because things are getting hard. Don't reduce back to half-baked just because you have to wear a mask. Don't stop praising. Don't stop praying. Don't stop questioning. Don't stop, stop searching or seeking. And so my challenge to you is this morning, and we're all on different journeys and we're all at different stages of faith and life and situations is what is the what is the one thing that you need to take with you today is it the challenge of hang on what am I calling to mind what am I ruminating on what am I obsessing over or is it where am I putting my hope if I put my hope in an outcome or if I put my hope in God because outcomes can change the goalposts can shift we know that but God, there is no shadow of turning in the nature of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His faithfulness is greater than the heavens. But maybe the biggest question for all of us is who is God and what is God like? You know, God is not limited by a vaccine. He is not limited by a virus. He is not limited by a global pandemic. He is not limited by government regulations God is greater than all of that. Who is God to us and what is God like? Who is he and what is he like? And I would encourage you to make a decision to search this out. To search out who is God. Maybe you've never made a decision to work out who God is. Maybe you've never made a decision to ask God, God, we come into your life to have a relationship with Jesus, who is the Son of God. Or maybe you have, but you've just been so distracted or so disappointed or so, you know, pressed on every side because of the current season that we're in. I would encourage you to pray a prayer that says, God, show me who you are. God, show me who you are we would love, our team would love to pray with anybody who, who would love to know more about who God is. We would invite you. There's so many ways to make a decision. There's so many ways to get plugged in. There's so many ways to start a journey of following Jesus. We'd love to meet you at the Connect Lounge or you can scan the QR code on the chair in front of you to get in touch with us. There's so many different ways that you know, we want to make available, so many access points we want to give to you this morning so we can make it easy for you. But it's not really about all the things we've done. It's really about the decision you need to make. Who is God to you and God, what is God like? Don't shrink back. Maybe the decision you need to make this morning is, God, I'm not going to shrink back. I might have to say no to things, but God, I'm not going to shrink back. I'm going to trust you help me to endure and remember that the steadfast love of the Lord it never ceases his mercies they never come to an end for they are new every morning and great is your faithfulness thanks for listening to this week's podcast we hope you are truly blessed by what you heard for more details check out suncoast.org.au